You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third boy to wear the mantle of Robin, Tim Drake. We will start with Tim's origin and then make our way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This is episode 39. And a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. Real quick, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at Robin, ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. We're on Twitter at ELTD podcast. And you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And of course, you can find us where the podcast is hosted over at the BatmanUniverse.net. And we will, uh, we're still talking about, uh, I guess, I don't have heard an official name. It's kind of like our pledge drive. Um, there's a few radio stations we live, uh, that we hear around the area where they're kind of self uh, funded by listeners and viewers. And uh, every, at least once a year, they'll kind of do a little bit of a pledge drive. So that's kind of what uh, the BatmanUniverse.net is. Um, with our server costs uh, have gone up, I think about 300% if I if I have that number right, which is a pretty big jump in server costs. Uh, Dustin, who runs uh, the BatmanUniverse.net, uh, has graciously been taking it upon himself to uh, take care of those fees, and uh, it's, it's kind of uh, out of his comfort zone to be able to do so. So uh, we're just kind of asking that if we're not asking for you know a five thousand dollar donation, I mean if Terrence has that kind of money, he'll graciously write a check over it. I, I think I'm correct in saying that, right, Terrence? Uh, complete silence. No. <laughs> Sorry, I, I muted my microphone for a second, and then I couldn't get back to it. Um, I do not have a spare five thousand dollars lying around, unfortunately. Um, and if I did, I'd probably spend it on like horrible stuff, like toys and comic books and stuff. But right. I would definitely give some to the BatmanUniverse.net, which. Checking it now, they're 28% funded, so thank you to everyone who's given a little bit, and hopefully they can get a little bit more. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a something as simple, I think I heard uh, Andy DiGenova say it over on the main uh, BatmanUniverse.net uh, podcast. It, even as simple as a dollar, if every single person that listens to the BatmanUniverse.net uh, podcast, even if you're like, I only listen to Batgirl to Oracle, if you donate a dollar basically for the podcast you're listening to, if everybody did that, that would more than cover the server cost for the Batman Universe. So anything that you can... Uh, Help uh, just as simple as a, a buck or two would be greatly appreciated, and uh, it's keeping all of these wonderful podcasts and comic book reviews and movie reviews, and it's it's always a good problem when the server costs are going up. That means that people 
there's a lot of traffic on the website, and that's a good thing to have. When you go to a store and the shelves are empty, that means people are going to the store and they're buying the product. So um, anything you can do to help out, uh, any thoughts you guys have here? We have uh, Tim back with us, so I kind of wanted to hear uh, Tim's uh, point of view on this, if you kind of want to say a little bit, Tim. Yeah, just uh, echo what you've been saying about it. I mean, just uh, help out with the server on the site because there's tons of awesome Batman podcasts on there, and it's just real fun and a privilege to be a part of one with me on the Batfans. And I mean, I got to know you guys through the <laughs> doing the podcast with mm-hmm. you earlier on Batfans, and now joining you guys for Everyone Loves a Drake. It's been awesome. So yeah, any uh, support for it would be much appreciated. So it's definitely ha- will help out for all of us in bringing those uh, great podcasts to everyone who enjoys Batman. Cool. That'll take care of our uh, uh, housekeeping news, other than we are a proud member of the Batman Podcasting Network. Uh, they, uh, Batman on Film has uh, added a link to the Batman universe, so if you happen to be coming from uh, Batman on Film podcast, uh, podcast website uh thank you for stopping by and uh uh, we will get into the show with episode 39 and we are finally here at uh the moment where it's kind of the big confrontation between tim drake and the new batman and john paul valley and things are going to take a crazy twist and turn uh we've got six books to cover and people are going wow this podcast is going to be 12 hours long uh, hopefully it will not be 12 <laughs> hours long. Uh, the books, basically, we're covering is going to be... Uh, we'll just look at the chapters, basically. It's the Nightfall chapter 17 through 19, and then a little bit into the Night's Quest that uh, leads us directly into uh, Robin number one. And finally, in the next episode, we'll be able to say that we're at Robin number one. I feel like it's taken three years to finally get there. But uh, it's been a been a real cool uh, journey. So uh, thanks for everybody that has uh, stuck with the podcast and finally getting us to uh, Robin number one. Rob, to totally just interrupt you here, you just kind of said it felt like it took three years to get to Robin one. But I looked, the first episode of your podcast here came on in December of 2013, and it's 2016. 16. So it was, <laughs> it kind of has been three years actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it kind of had been, but, uh, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend, and I really don't math on a Memorial Day <laughs> yeah. weekend. It's just uh, a couple months shy of the three-year mark. I I thought about trying to time it out right around uh, that point, and I think by the time uh, Robin 1 gets here, it's been a, a cool three-year journey not to kind of stop a story, but I, I feel like the uh, Tim Drake story, there was never really a good starting point to get in. Like you just can't pick up Robin one and read it. You need to kind of, you need, <laughs> you know, almost the whole yeah. nightfall series to figure out who he was. So that's why, you know, we just can, I, we continued to keep moving back and thought, well, let's just start at the origin and go for there. And I, I think it's made a really interesting show of the last uh, three years. So, what we'll do uh, right here is where we're going to uh, go to the BBC radio drama, and it's going to encompass all of these issues, and uh, we'll get started into the show. This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes to drink, especially the cakes. Sir, are you certain you're up to this? Chandra and Tim's father have been abducted, Alfred. And I'd be dead now if the kidnappers hadn't been in such a hurry to leave. You say you memorized the rental plate on their van, sir? Let's key it in. You know, I don't feel right here in the cave anymore. It belongs to Jean-Paul. 
He's the Batman now. He's certainly become as elusive as you used to be, sir. Just so long as he steers clear of Bane. Now, let's see what we know about these kidnappers. British accents. One named Taz. And according to this, a dummy company the van was rented by gave an address in London. London? A trip to the United Kingdom should make a very pleasant change. Bane, I swear it was the Batman. He would have beaten us senseless if the cops hadn't showed. The Batman, it is not him. I broke the Batman. It is an imposter you were taken by. Nothing but a costume. Uh, phony or not, he sure hit hard. He will regret what he has done. <sighs> I look forward to the pleasure of crushing this bat imposter. Jean-Paul, is Bruce still around? Or Alfred? They left a message, Tim. Didn't you see it? Of course I saw it. My dad's been kidnapped and Dr. Consolving, and they just left. Why didn't Bruce take me with him? Maybe he couldn't find you. I've been out all night looking for you. We were supposed to meet for the regular patrol. Word on the street said you were too busy rousting out Bane's gang. Look, another time. Hey, my dad's been abducted, and you're directly violating Bruce's orders. I'm Batman now. I'm busy. What are these little bat-shaped things? Ah, shark. They're called shurikens. Mm. Bruce wouldn't have been defeated if he'd given himself an edge. So I've redesigned the uniform. Mm. These are for the new gauntlets. 50 in each magazine. Accurate to 25 yards. Mm. A tougher Batman for a tougher Gotham. Tougher or meaner? Paul, where'd you get the idea of firing two-inch razor blades at people? I... I don't know. But if you don't like it, you can walk. Commissioner Gordon. Batman. You've been very active the last few nights. My detectives have been cleaning up after you. Did you learn anything from Bane's stooges? They were hardly in the interrogation room before their lawyers slid them out again. My God. Something wrong, Commissioner? You're still here. So? I usually turn and you're gone. I wasn't certain we had finished talking. That never stopped you before. Then I'll be going. I have to find Bane on my own, unless he comes looking for me. Stranger and stranger. Step right down, Miss Khan. You're about to play Box of Mystery. And for the folks at home, here's tonight's mystery word. Okay, folks, the word Ms. Conlon says in the next 20 seconds mm. if she is to keep her platinum oven lit is anti-disestablishmentarianism. Mrs. Mack? Great. I thought she'd never drop off. Not that it matters if she sees me go down into her cellar, but this is my secret access tunnel to the Batcave, and if I squeeze through this aperture, it's only 300 yards scramble to Bruce's computer. And Paul doesn't seem to use them so much, but... Wow! He sealed up my entrance to the Batcave with bricks! Imposter! Where are you? Show yourself! I want the one who claims to be the Batman! Now! You are calling me out, Bane? Pretender! I will prove to this city that you are not the Batman! Gotham is mine! I'm the only Batman you need to worry about, Bane! Oh, it's a big showdown at last! 
What the hell happened to the Batman, my toy? Look at that outfit. It's more like a suit of armor. Sharpshooters are in place, Commissioner. We could drop bait right now. Let's be sure they can't hit the Batman first. Wait a second. I thought they were up there. Where did they go? Then prepare to be relieved of it! You have run out of toys, Pretender! You have run out of time! The bat has claws! You think you have cut my throat? No, your lifeline. You've been on venom too long, Bane. Ah, time to kick the habit. Cold turkey! You're finished! I already won! I already broke the bad man! Not this Batman! Just a dog! Stop the pain! Marchman's got a clean headshot on Bane, Commissioner. Transgressor, betrayer, defiler. I shall punish! Batman, no! He is broken. Blackgate Prison can hold the pieces. Yes. You see, Robin, I can't resist the system. Hey, look, I still don't like the way you do things, but you have earned the right to the costume, new or old. And I guess you are the Batman. Thanks, kid. The giant Lincoln's head penny's still here. And that old dinosaur trophy of Bruce's, but rats didn't see the security beam. Warning, sensors indicate intruder in Batcave. Jean-Paul? Voice identification positive. Intruder is Tim Drake. Robin. Phew. Voice empty. Wait a minute. This is training area. Cut out figures of all the key bad guys in Gotham City. And these are the switches which make them flip out of the walls. Joker. Toothface. Penguin. Poison Ivy and more. Every figure embedded with those things fives out of those gauntlets. I thought I'd made it clear you're not welcome here, Robin. Maybe I don't take a hint too well. I am supposed to keep an eye on you until Bruce returns. If he returns. You know, your attitude sucks, Paul. Not Paul! Uh, Batman! <laughs> behind that rock. Nice going, Robin. Head to head with a guy who's a trained assassin from birth. This is my crusade. I am the righteous. I will wash the slime of Gotham into the sewers. They will fear me as they never feared him. And what happens to Robin, Paul? I thought we were friends. You... You... Uh... Tim, I'm... I'm sorry. I'm really so... Keep your distance. So much to think about. The responsibility. The system kicks in. It's 
been less than a year since I found out I'm more than just Jean-Paul Valley. I am Azrael, the avenging angel. And now, that man. I'm just trying to get it right, Robin. Robin. He's gone. All right, Batman 499. Uh... Uh, this picks up right after the previous uh, issue had left off in the story where Batman is beating the tar out of Tony Brassi. And uh, uh, the Kelly Jones covers, I think, just get more and more uh, menacing, and they started getting more uh, twisted in his art. I think he started uh, in a very uh, cool scale, and by the end, uh, things are really exaggerated. I think that's to kind of show the veracity of where Batman started and where he ended up here. I always thought this front cover was really cool seeing yeah. uh, Jean-Paul Batman leap out into uh, a Bruce Wayne chair. It's one of those we always talk about, like, ooh, is this going to happen in the issue? And it, it doesn't, but uh, um, I always thought it was pretty cool. What did you guys think about the cover to 499 here, uh, Terrence? Yeah, I always thought it was a cool cover, although the facial expression, I always wondered, like, it doesn't really look like your classic Bruce Wayne. Mm-mm. So when when I kind of saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, is John Paul gone so crazy that he's going to the hospital and beating up ra- random, you know, um, people? But um, yeah, it's all of his covers I really love. Uh, Tim? Yeah, I remember this one jumping out to me when I went to the comic shop and picked it up for the first time as a little kid. I mean, because going to your point of like the cover not tying in with the actual story of a comic, I was expecting, oh, it's John Paul actually going to attack Bruce Wayne? Are they going to fight? Like, are they really going to fight each other? But, you know, reading it, of course, that didn't happen. But it is kind of a nice, um, almost like, uh, like a, not a foretelling, but in a way it is kind of showcasing, like, the difference between John Paul Valley's way of doing things as Batman against Bruce and is, like, almost in a metaphor-type way where mm-hmm. he is destroying or attacking Bruce's ideals as Batman and doing things his own way. So my that not that didn't literally happen in John Paul Valley's mind. We know how crazy his mind is <laughs> with the system. So maybe something like that was going on in his head where he's attacking what Bruce stands for and his ideals as Batman. So even though we don't actually see that uh, take place in the issue of the comic, it is kind of a cool way that I think fits the overall story of what John Paul is going through and the way he's a different Batman than Bruce. Uh, and I still, uh, I'm sorry, but no. I still love how he 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 just puts so many abdominal muscles on Batman. <laughs> yeah, every episode, or every issue. Yeah, yeah. There's probably like 49 there, <laughs> and he's probably not satisfied. He probably turned it in, but I just I needed more abdominal muscles. I just didn't have the space. Yeah. I could have done one more. <laughs> yeah. Taking uh, deadlines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that this issue, uh, for the most part, is narrated by uh, Tim Drake. Uh, even the very beginning here, it says, As the Batman, Bruce Wayne struck terror into the hearts of criminals. Jean-Paul uh, prefers the faces, you know, as he's beating the tar to people. And Jean-Paul is going for the face on every single person uh, he faces here and uh, is is taking the whole fear tactic to... Uh, I won't even call it a fear tactic. It's almost borderline scaring somebody into murder, you know, tactic. Uh, getting the information that he wants regardless of what he has to do to get it. And this is really kind of shaking Tim up uh, here. And Tim is realizing that he was kind of put here to watch uh, Jean-Paul uh, while Bruce is on the mend. And he's quickly finding out that this is probably going to be a task that he's not going to be able to do because there's no way to control Jean-Paul from the system. I just kind of want to ask you guys uh, what your 
thoughts were in these early stages before you know Robin One's right around the corner of what Tim's probably going through. Did you think we were going to have the split of Batman and Robin here, uh, or were you pretty much under the assumption, yeah, this is so this is how we're going to get the Robin series? Uh, I just kind of wanted to get a, a quick little blurb there from you guys. So, what do you think, Terrence? You know, I don't really re- remember going back. Um, I think. You know, I, I think maybe I might have seen the cover to six six eight and and like in a preview or something, mm-hmm. and knew that they were going to have a falling out, and knew the Robin series was coming out, but I can't recall how I thought it would would go there. I do re- remember like um, kind of always saying that like you see the Nightfall story through Tim Drake's eyes, and he's who who we see it through and i didn't realize until i started reading that he's actually narrating most of it which is like okay this is why we see you know is another reason and you know like that first page you know in, in a comic you can't tell how ferocious one punch is you know we've seen batman punch a million people so you need tim drake's reaction both like his the, the you know on his facial expression and his you know um internal monologue to kind of say well this is a whole new level of ferocity this is a whole new level of violence that john paul is taking it to because this first scene of batman punching a guy we've seen you know thousands and thousands of times and i think it even goes really well later on in the issue where tim is like john paul is not concerned about like innocent kids who are in the way of gunfire he just jumps right in that to me was even more shocking like that's something bruce would never do and you wouldn't i wouldn't even pick up on that unless you have tim say it so um i don't know if that answered your question about leading to robin number one but um i definitely um i definitely thought always see nightfall through tim's eyes and Mm -hmm. he's he's the one who like lets us know what's really going on uh tim any thoughts on that yeah i mean i can't remember when i really found out about Tim getting his own series with Robin number one is that during that time, especially as like a nine or 10 year old kid, I wasn't keeping up with like the new stuff that was announced or whatever, just kind of either it was teased in the issue or I just saw it on the comic rack. But when reading it, you definitely get the sense that, you know, John Paul Valley and Tim Jake, they aren't going to remain partners for very long, <laughs> maybe even through the course of this issue. I mean, the way that, in the monologue at the beginning where Tim just says, like, the whole idea of Batman and Robin team is nothing but a bad joke to Jean-Paul. And, and he kind of mentions this later, uh, where, but it's kind of, you know, going in the face of his whole reasoning of why he became Robin, the whole thing where Batman needs a Robin to help, you know, dark or put some hope and, like, light into the darkness of Batman. And Jean-Paul Valley just, is like, Tim Drake thinks that's a joke and just, like, spitted it in his face. So you definitely know, like, they just can't last together as Batman and Robin. And like you said, just every issue and every page, John Paul Valley just gets worse and worse. When uh, the mob boss, he was, you know, he's just concerned about his getting his kids to safety. And it's something that you'll never hear Batman say, where John Paul Valley just tells him, like, forget you, forget your kids. You cross me, and then I'm going to make you eat your eyes. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said it. that was a line. I was like, I haven't reread this issue in in so long. When I read it, I'm like. Did he? Did I read that right? I had to yeah. read it a second time. I'm like, Batman just told somebody, "I'll make you eat your eyes." <laughs> yeah, and in the second page too, he tells Robin, "Like you shut up." Like that, that was really kind of shocking. That was like a very un-Batman line. Yeah, like the stuff he says are kind of like 
like those old toys from the nineties that talk and the kids. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like John Paul Valley had a ton to choose from. <laughs> this is this issue. The John Paul Valley Batman figure. Yeah. I'll make you eat your yeah. eyes. <laughs> shut yeah, up, Robin. This opportunity for them now. That that would have sold really well. Uh, Mattel would have made a lot of money off of me. Um, <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, there was that Simpsons where they had like the talking. Stacy doll or Malibu yeah. Stacy doll, yeah. and the one girl pulls hers, and she, I think mine's broken, and it's, it's not like a Spider Man line yep. of like my webs, you know, my Spidey senses are. I would have loved it. If it been, I'm going to make you eat your eyes. <laughs> uh, but to contrast that, on the very next page, what is a very Batman thing is even though seeing Bruce Wayne uh, in a wheelchair, he's doing detective work, he's doing blood samples. So as shocking, as jarring as that is, and I, I know this is done on purpose, this to show this is the Batman that we know and remember, and it's kind of going, man, I can't believe this Batman's acting like it. And seeing Batman or Bruce Wayne here just doing simple detective work, trying to figure out where... Um, Chandra and Jack Drake have been taken to, you go, even in a wheelchair, Bruce Wayne is more Batman than John, than Jean-Paul yeah. is. I just thought that was a really cool sequence. Yeah, a couple quick questions. Well, first, did you guys ever see the Fletch movies? Yes. Yeah, there's okay. one where he like he gets, I think it's the second movie, I can't remember, he gets like toxic waste on his sneakers, and he, he yeah. sends it to like the lab to be analyzed where it's from, and he's like, uh, the lab's like, because he's trying to track it down kind of like bruce in here and the the guy's like oh this toxic waste you know it, there's 14 different places it can come from it's like oh it's like all right well just give me the ones that aren't in new jersey and the guy's like oh well there's only one then like yeah and yeah that's what i thought happened here and um now i don't get oracle like he says like oracle oh she knows like that she knew what, what did oracle know like that how severe the injuries were was that it or i'm not really sure i think it's because bruce didn't tell anybody except you know, just Tim, Alfred, and John knew, and then, like, as we'll find out later, Nightwing didn't know, and then, mm-hmm. as here, Barbara didn't know either, so Bruce was just keeping it really, really secret. Okay, so it's just the fact of how bad his injuries were. Okay, I got it now. Yeah, and I even half wonder if Oracle has, you know, complete access. In my mind, I was always like, was she watching in the Batcave, and could she see Bruce in the wheelchair? Because she, I don't know if it's in this issue, but she makes a reference to... Um, about maybe you can get out of the wheelchair and that's you know where he was like oh you know she knows or whatever so um i always took it maybe like somehow she just knew like alfred has the line of like you know what what doesn't she know like of all the people you can keep secrets from uh barbara's not the one to do it so that's that's where my my mind went with it um kind of going through we have uh bane's crew along with bane trying to figure out um, you know who who this Batman is, and Bane is a hundred percent sure that um, it's it's not Batman. It's an imposter. He broke him, and uh, Bird even has a thing of like, regardless of, of who it is, um, there is a Batman out on the street, and he's he's beaten up our our gang. So Bane's really kind of uh, hell bent on going out and figuring out who it is. Um, uh, the uh, scene that I always like with Robin here on page seven is his, his access in and out of the Batcave from uh, his uh, father's house into Wayne Manor's going through the, uh, uh, not the sewer well, but the uh, uh, water well tunnel. I always thought that was pretty cool. And um, just uh, the more inner monologue from Tim of the chore and the task that's at, at hand. 
that he has to do. And I just I like these character moments with Tim of you know, making his way from the Batcave back into his uh, father's house. And even here, he still doesn't realize uh, that his dad is gone. Um, and I have wondered if I, I think at this point Jean Paul knows that Tim's dad is gone because later on in the uh, in the story there's a point where Jean Paul tells Tim you know uh, you you probably need to get home or Tim says you know I need to get home I, my father's probably worried and Jean Paul the way he was drawn it looks kind of funny like he says something like you know yeah you need to so I thought it was kind of a, a jerk move by Jean Paul not telling. Uh, Tim, what's going on? And Tim, they, there's a reference here. It says, um, uh, trying to keep up with Jean Paul is bad enough, and he doesn't even. Uh, it sounds like his dad is uh, asleep for the evening. Doesn't even check in on him, which kind of seems like out of character for Tim for being gone as long as he would to not have gone into a room to check on his dad. So that was, I guess, my trying to find something wrong with the issue out of Tim. I was kind of going, wouldn't you've checked on your dad because you know he is in a wheelchair? Did you guys find that? a little odd that he didn't check or is that more for suspense for Tim as a character to, to later find out that he's gone? Yeah, I thought it was odd. I thought it was kind of odd because I thought there was a scene. Well, I guess there's no interaction between Bruce and Tim in this, mm-hmm. but for some reason when I was reading it, I thought Tim and Bruce had been in the cave together, but I guess now it was just John Paul Valley. So then when there was just a note, you know, um, I guess it gets a little confusing seeing Tim with Batman, but Batman looks just like the Bruce Wayne Batman. So, yeah. Um, but he's just kind of a weird alpha that like that's all. And I guess it's comic book, so you can't have like a big long note on it. But you know, um, we'll find him, lad. You know, like just that's all. You, that's the only information you give him. It just yeah. it seemed very brief. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, Tim. Yeah, actually, I mean, I get what you guys are saying, but the thing that always stood out to me during this portion where Tim's uh, doing his monologue where he was contemplating of should I tell Bruce he made a mistake and he's all, no, not yet, he's, out, he's dealing with enough. I always thought, no, just go and tell him. This is something big. This is <laughs> yeah. the legacy of Batman in here, and he's, like, tarnishing <laughs> everything you've built. So I definitely would go tell Bruce right away. But, yeah, secret's a big thing in this whole story, especially at this point. You got, you know, Tim doesn't want to tell Bruce about John Paul Valley. Bruce doesn't want to tell Tim about his dad missing, and John Paul Valley's doing all his own thing that he doesn't want anyone to know about or be a part of. So everyone has a secret from somebody, and in the end, it just ends up causing more damage. But yeah, that was amazing. That stood out to me. It's like Tim, the, the most important thing is tell Bruce what's going on with John Paul Valley as Batman, regardless if uh, you know yeah. he does anything about it. I mean, just to you know that you let him know because that's something that's really big of <laughs> Batman doing the stuff that he's doing. So that was the thing that stood out to me the most during that whole sequence. And I would have thought with Bruce, regardless, I mean, he's obviously in the Batcave and you know working on something. You would have thought he would have been monitoring because it's not like Batman hasn't been in the news and hasn't yeah. been crashing through skylights and dangling people off of rooftops. Uh, I was kind of expecting him to have the confrontation of like, look, you need to rein it in. I, I would have liked that scene with John Paul and, and uh, Bruce to even like with his fingers crossed behind his back, like, okay, I'll work on it. And then, you know, still get that little beat. Uh, but uh, moving on here through nine and 10, this is the uh, uh, revelation that Oracle knows what's going on. We see a, the first little image of Barbara Gordon here and we see, uh, she says on 10, uh, the chair is difficult. I hope that you manage, unlike me, to find your way out of it. Goodbye. And this is where she says uh, she knows Alfred. Indeed, sir, what does Oracle not know? So that's kind of how I I took that. 
And then that little uh, scene here uh, that we were talking about wanting a confrontation. You now here's, and this is like a gripe I have all the time. I mentioned to Terrence. It probably gets me tired of saying it, but where uh, Aparo is drawing uh, the Batman character exactly like Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne is standing like they both have the same jaw they have the same lines on their yeah. face and I'm like just just draw the face a little bit differently and I remember even thinking at this point or just give him a new costume just so I can tell him apart and you know he definitely gets a huge uh, costume upgrade but just telling him you know you and Robin keep Gotham under control and this is where I answered my own question Jean-Paul does figure out uh, that uh, Bruce is leaving town May not know exactly what for, but uh, he realizes here that uh, all of a sudden uh, the system is taking control and he's uh, automatically uh, drawing new parts of the costume. Uh, what do you guys think of the slowly uh, changing uh, costume, uh, getting in with the, uh, to quote uh, Andrew Leyland on Hey Kids Comics, the implausible uh, spiky gloves is what he referred to them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think of the uh, uh, his slow change in uh, the costume going from the gloves to the eventual um Mark One, a Mark One, I guess you can call it, of the Batman Night Quest costume. Tim. Yeah, I remember just eating this all up as a kid reading this. I I love the gloves and just you know just seeing how these different this different take of Batman and making it you know look more futuristic and stuff. And, but now the gloves mixed with the classic Batman suit doesn't quite work for me <laughs> as it used to as a little kid. But when it gets to the full on you know uh, Azrael Batman costume, it, it works fine there. But Mixing it with a classic Batman suit, and then you see these big gauntlets, spike claw gloves. It just takes a little, little bit of getting used to going back and reading it now because it's been a while. And another thing too, I actually forgot about since I haven't read this part of the Nightfall story in a while, is that you know, it was mainly the system just causing John Paul Valley to draw this like without kind of him knowing, just like in it intentionally just drawing the designs for this claw without him really knowing about it. Like, afterwards, he just drops a pencil. He's like, I drew this? Like, I, I didn't realize <laughs> it. But, yeah, I kind of forgot about that aspect, where it's not really John Paul Valley himself drawing this and wanting to get this new costume, but it's actually the system in his head causing him to do this. So, kind of forgot about that, but it makes total sense with everything that he goes through later on in the story and in Night Quest and all that. But just something I... Just, I haven't picked up on it in a while since I read this issue. Uh, what about you, uh, Terrence? Yeah, because I'd seen the new, you know, the Asbats. I guess it wasn't called Asbats back then, but the, the Asbats costume in Wizard Magazine uh, at least a couple months, if not a few weeks before any of this Nightfall. Um, and then, so I knew what the final product would kind of be. And so as they were kind of, instead of just one, you know, one reveal or at the end, kind of like Tim's new costume where it was just like, say hello to the new Robin. It wasn't like that, say hello to the new Batman. It was like a little by little coming together. I thought that was cool. If I if they did that today, I'd be jaded and say, oh, well, they're doing that because they want the five different variant figures and the, you know, the downloadable content and the video game and all that. <laughs> and But, um I don't think that that was why they did it back then, and I wouldn't, and I didn't think that back then. I think it was just to do that gradual changeover. So I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, going through uh, these last uh, few pages here, we've get more dialogue between uh, the new Batman and Tim, just on kind of their fractured partnership in. I shouldn't say their partnership, and how Tim views Batman 
and how Jean-Paul views Batman. And Jean-Paul is a one-track mind. He's got to stop Bane, even though Bruce has said to not to. I think it's about not only proving himself better than Bruce, but proving himself better than Bane and slowly starting to figure out Bane's got to death grip on the city if i can beat bane then the city will be mine that's kind of that borderline of not being the villain but keeping god if you can keep all of gotham in fear then gotham will be easier to control and that wasn't batman's mo and this is more of tim um trying to beat that into uh, tim or beat it into uh, jean paul rather and uh, jean paul's not wanting to hear it at all um, something I thought was cool is getting a little uh, character beat with uh, Selena Kyle in here, which this is not only is it setting up Robin number one, it's also setting up Catwoman number one uh, at the same time this was going on. So this was a big uh, shakeup in uh, the Batman uh, status quo. We're going to have a new Batman. Catwoman is uh, being looked at as a, uh, a character that can sustain her own book and then moving Robin out too. So I thought it was kind of cool. We have two characters uh, branching out on their own. First of all, if you look at the panels, that is the most conservative Selena Kyle drawing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes. You know, and, and then especially compared to where they went in like a, in just a couple weeks when Catwoman One comes out with Jim Ballant doing the, the Catwoman, <laughs> and then where they went took her in the New Fifty Two and everything. Um, but I always like this airport scene, and then when I saw the Dark Knight Rises, and they have that scene of Selena Kyle in the airport yeah. scene, it yeah. kind of played out different, and she was trying to run away a little bit um but it when i was sitting in the movie theater it took me right back to this issue and this scene and um i, I wonder i mean it could just be a coincidence because airports are pretty common and all that but i i know you know obviously dark knight rises they took a lot out of nightfall i wonder if this scene inspired maybe that scene in the movie i gotta believe it probably did at uh, at some level nice little callbacks to if you're really steeped in your comic knowledge you could probably easily point this out so i don't necessarily think it was a happenstance at all yeah hopefully they won't ever say either or because i like to think it is yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. all uh, references in there the better yeah definitely in pages uh basically for the end of the book here is the uh fight with uh uh, batman and tony brassi uh and uh tough tony tough tough tony brassi that's right um (laughs) he earned that nickname don't rob him from that (laughs) yeah that's right he earned it uh not really the fight is uh, bringing, uh, getting his kids back from Trog and Bird, um, Batman and Rob. Well, I shouldn't say Robin, and then or Batman, then Robin, uh, jumping into the fight and uh, uh, clearly pointing out. I think it was Terrence that might have said it that uh, you know Batman didn't wait for a second to make sure the kids were out of danger. He just leapt right in with all the guns and bullets going on. So it's it's kind of one of those seeing a Batman that's really unhinged and i remember reading this going holy crap you know there's there's kids running around out there and you know luckily tim's quick enough to think on his feet but uh this is the first shot that we get to see the uh bat shurikens coming out of the uh claws the razor uh batarangs and i thought holy crap you know those are gonna you know slice right into people and then surely enough it's doing that what'd you guys think of the uh new arsenal that uh he had there and in the radio drama you really get to hear how wicked they sound so hopefully you guys enjoyed that but what'd you guys think of the uh new arsenal that batman has adapted uh terrence yeah, you know, I was kind of, I, I, I kind of didn't know how deep those like things are like going into that guy and going into Bird and stuff. Um, and um, yeah, I'm surprised that that wasn't more of like a kid's toy because that would be a cool shooter thing to like run yeah. around the house shooting. Yeah, Nerf oh, should have yeah. made that. 
<laughs> what do you think, uh, Tim? Yeah, I remember that those two panels sticking out. It was the first scene, those like shurikens come out of the that guy was like, oh, that's really cool. But then when I see it go into Burr, like, oh man, did he just kill him? Because <laughs> you got what about three or four just going right into his chest? <laughs> like, oh man. And then you see him take out uh, Bird's uh, bird. <laughs> I was like, oh man, Batman just killed Bird and the bird, <laughs> the actual bird. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but, I mean, it looked cool with seeing it firing out, but then I was taken back, like, like actually seeing it go and hit somebody, let alone three of them. So <laughs> that was always something that stood out in this fight sequence. And I want to ask you guys uh, a question. Uh, they hear the police sirens here after everybody's been, you know, laid to waste thanks to Batman's new spiky, implausible gloves here. Um, Robin called the cops, basically. Is that what we're inferring here? So speaking of those, uh, uh, he says, you called the police uh, before before we came. Uh, is, is that what Tim Dick says? Uh, uh, that was stupid, Robin, a mockery of everything that we're supposed to be. So I wondered if he called him like, oh, I know this Batman's going to go totally out of hand, and if the police can get here before Jean-Paul does, then maybe it won't go south. Did you guys get that as well? Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of weird. I didn't I didn't quite get that at the end. Um, it just seemed like, don't they always do that? So why is that a mockery? Um, yeah. Yeah, I just... I, the only thing I can think of is it's the end of the issue, and there was kind of maybe a rush, and so that wasn't really as thought out. But I don't know what what did they expect to do. Were they going to take the prisoners back to the Batcave with them or something? So I don't, I don't really, I don't really get that part. Yeah, uh, Tim. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, definitely Tim was called him, but like you said, Terrence don't necessarily agree and wonder why he said it would be a mockery because there's been plenty of examples where. Batman lets the police know, like, come to this location, I'll have them ready for you and all that. But I think in this case, it was Tim definitely doing it more to keep John Ball Valley in case, just in check, just in case, you know, he does something overboard with these guys instead of just letting the police know to round up these criminals. So, but yeah, totally get where you're coming from. Where it did seem a little weird for Tim to say that, that it's a mockery of everything they're supposed to be. Yeah. Um, of course, then we. Like comics do, it moves like from the warehouse right back in the Bat Cave, and we see Tim kind of looking at what Jean Paul's doing. Here's the the line that I was thinking here: it "says adjust some new costume designs, needs improvements, and you need to get home before your father misses you." And I think this is the conversation that he and Bruce had earlier of that he's going out of town, but I don't think that he necessarily said that he's going for Tim's dad. So um, it's just kind of what we're that's that little smirk that Aparo drew here where it looks like he knows more than he's letting on. Um, and then in a moment where they escort Selena, Selena Kyle off the plane and then she's in the bathroom. <laughs> that was really kind of a funny little beat there. And then like Terrence said, the very end here is the little quick note. Says Timothy have faith. We will find him. Take care. So this is like apparently the first time that Tim is, while all this is going on, that has stopped in his father's room to check it, so check on him, and he's not there. So that's the end of that uh, particular issue. Any thoughts before we kind of uh, go on, uh, Terrence? Yeah, just it was overall a pretty solid issue. A lot of cool stuff in it. It's a lot of stuff that I think I'm reading Nightfall. I like remember, but I didn't quite remember it was all in this issue. So it was pretty fun to read it again after so many years. Uh, Tim. Yeah, I think this. Uh Another great issue in the Nightfall series. I just remember being excited that I knew the end was coming, and we're just, it's just leading up to that final confrontation with 
Bane and the new Asbats. So this is an issue that kind of, you know, was getting you close to that with those new gauntlets that he <laughs> had on there. So, uh, but I just thinking about it too, this might be like the most stressful period of any Robin <laughs> in the history of Robin that he's <laughs> yeah. just going through here. He's got this nut Batman he has to deal with. Bruce Wayne, his second father, just is paralyzed in a wheelchair. His real dad just gone missing now. Like, you got to give props to Tim to keeping it all together as good as he did <laughs> going through all this stuff right now. So just reading it again is just really making me think that this is like the toughest stretch I think almost any Robin had to go through. Yeah, definitely. Aside from Jason taking a crowbar and a bomb to the head. Uh, <laughs> See, that was only one thing. Tim Drake's dealing with three massive issues here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Poor, poor Jason Todd joke. Uh, now, we have a, do f- a few connecting uh, issues here. We're not going to go through every single one of these issues, since this is Robin, everyone loves the Drake. Uh, the audio drama w- did a really good job of going through them. Uh, I only want to touch on uh, Detective Ho- Comic 666 here really quick, which is uh, basically Tim and uh, Mrs. McElvey, I believe is her name, their assistant, and the the ruse or the guys that Tim now has to keep up, uh, that Tim's dad is going through, um, like a, a a spa with Chandra and uh, uh, the shot here on nine I think is just really kind of cool of Tim sitting at a table all by himself and I think that's the world that Tim is basically living in and yeah. uh, it's like you know not a word from Mr. Wayne and Tim says no I guess not and then uh, him being on the balcony and then looking out over across uh, uh, Gotham City and seeing the bat signal and knowing it's a job for another Batman. But Tim saying, "Well, this is still a job for Batman and Robin." And Tim or and John Paul didn't give me the job. It, you know, he's not the one that gave me the job. That Tim is still going to go out and do that. So that made me happy as a Robin fan, knowing like at one point I thought, "Is they just going to write Tim off and they're done if and when Bruce comes back?" So that's all I had in 666. Uh, the big one is the conclusion, uh, Nightfall Batman 500. And I wanted to ask both of you: uh, Did you guys buy the newsstand version of this? And and or did you buy the glossy uh, cover with the you know the die cut with uh, uh, the old Batman on front and Jean Paul on the back? I have both of them. Uh, I have just recently today opened up uh, Nightfall. I haven't or the 500 with the die cut cover. I haven't opened this up probably since I bagged and boarded it way back in the 90s. <laughs> and I forgot there's a postcard, uh, two postcards in here. One of Batman, Bruce Wayne holding a gargoyle, and the very back page is the postcard of Jean-Paul. So you could have tore this out, and when I was in Pennsylvania, I could have sent both you guys uh, two postcards. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just kind of curious what you guys, uh, with Batman 500 being so big, did you go day of to pick it up, or you know what your thoughts were of just picking up Batman 500? Let's start with you, Terrence. Uh, I don't remember too, too much. I've got the die-cast cover, the one that you flip open, that's mm-hmm. got the um, Quisada cover, which he kind of i think this was like the last thing he ever did maybe for this um with nolan's inks which is pretty cool because his inks are kind of thick um and i guess his his art is what's inspired the new killing joke um movie i've heard them talk about so that's kind of cool um i i think i do kind of remember wanting to buy multiple copies but the 395 price tag maybe kind of scared me away (laughs) um but this was right when the comic industry was getting just a little crazy with the whole 
multiple covers and glossy covers and metallic covers and you know and then eight different covers so i only in of all the nightfall books i only have one of these and i think it was the 395 that scared me away <laughs> <laughs> yeah what about you tim yeah i remember picking the day i picked this up it was like a day i couldn't wait to and look forward to i didn't pick it up day of i remember it was the saturday of that same week it was like one of those rare times where I got a comic as close as to its initial release day as it was because back then, you know, I just couldn't <laughs> go to the comic shop and anytime I wanted to pick up an issue. But I only got the standard newsstand one that was just the one with uh, as bats holding Bane on the ground, that classic pose that we see in a lot of different uh, Nightfall covers. So yep. uh, that was the one I got, but I just remember being so excited that day picking up. Um, I remember my mom had to run a few errands that day but the first stop we went to was to the comic shop to get <laughs> my copy of nightfall and i just remember not even waiting to go home and read it i opened it up right as we got in the car and just started reading through the issue as <laughs> my mom was doing her errand so that was my experience is like one of those first times because again as i said on some of the other podcasts where nightfall really was the first story arc where i started collecting comics on a regular basis and I forget what issue exactly, but it might have been issue 16 where I finally caught up where once I read 16, I had to wait for the next issues to come out instead of, you know, going (laughs) back and read them. So this is a big one, like only about four issues in where I've been collecting regularly. And as the issue comes out, I would read it. So this was a pretty big deal, especially Batman 500. Uh, You got that going on at the monumental issue. You had the final part of Nightfall, and then you had... Bane finally be defeated. I mean, that was no secret that was going to happen. You just look at the cover. So to finally mm-hmm. see Bane get defeated and get his comeuppance for breaking Bruce Wayne uh, just got me real excited as a kid to see all this stuff and that I've been reading and cultivating to this one issue. It was just an exciting time for me as a young little Bat fan back in 1993. So this was an issue I'll never forget reading for the first time. I remember I had a show choir practice. Uh, I, was a, I was a senior in high school and uh came back and uh it was like right after school i said i've got to run into finley real quick which is about a 15 minute drive so i drove in like a bat out of hell no pun intended but i guess (laughs) i guess there's one picked it up and then during our breaks uh in between you know dancing and singing i would go through and read it and i was like oh my gosh this issue is so thick you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was the other thing but i i bought both of them i think i you know my parents would send me you know you know, milk money or whatever, food money. And I saved all my money that week knowing that, you know, I don't know how much this book's going to be. And I had enough to get both. And the guy at the counter said, Batman 500 is going to be, it's going to be one of those expensive books later on. So, um, <laughs> I left, you know, the one, uh, the die cut bagged and boarded and I hadn't recently opened it until, you know, while getting ready for the podcast because I had the standard news edition and then I was checking eBay, and you can buy Batman 500 for like three or four bucks. So, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, the same thing happened to me with Spider-Man. Was it 400 or I think the Spider-Man 400 or the comic shop? It was like I I didn't I was like visiting my grandparents that weekend. It was like they took me to the comic shop, and they knew nothing, especially my grandma. He's all like, "Oh, you got to make sure you get this for your grandson." Like years from now, this is going to be a big collector's item for worth tons of money. <laughs> It's only put on special order for me. It was cool to get it, but yeah, like just much like Batman 500, it's not worth that much. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
now, the issue as a whole here, which you heard in the radio drama, this is just one giant fight. So for us to kind of go through page by page, um, there's there's a lot to talk about, but at the same time, there's not. The, uh, the fight, you know, kind of starts from one book and, uh, you know, we get uh, where Batman's hanging upside down from the, the previous uh, issue that we kind of glossed by. Uh, Bane gets one of the shurikens into the neck that I forgot. That's why he's, you know, slowly bleeding and uh, needs his venom fix and uh, getting the... Now, this monologue, I don't know if it's more Jean-Paul's monologue or if it's the system's monologue, as what I was kind of reading it today, catching up. Um, that he's starting to put in place the costume and how clumsy this costume is and how the cape almost caused him uh, to die, but he's got to, you know, kick himself into the pool. So it's just those couple things. But as far as the Tim Drake stuff that uh, we'll kind of hit on here, we have the reappearance of uh, Adriana again. So at some point during all of this, Tim have must has must have called her and is almost kind of like he he sleep dialed her like oh I I just I, I missed you you know my dad's gone I just needed a friend and abruptly you know hangs up with her so this is the first appearance of Adriana since um, Cry of the Huntress where she was first introduced and that was about a year ago so I think these are you know planting the seeds of uh, the Robin uh, solo series that Adriana is going to be a, a big player for quite some time in that. Uh, did you like seeing uh, Adriana in this uh, Terrence again? Just this little scene with Tim here. Sorry, I didn't know if I was on mute again. <laughs> there's been there's been all these like password issues and stuff going on behind the scenes of this podcast that I've had to deal with. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's kind of I don't know. For me, I think she's kind of forgettable. Yeah. So it, I, I'm, you know, and I think of Tim, and I think of this time period, and I think of like his friends and romantic interests. It's Stephanie Brown. Brown. Yeah. So yeah, for me, for that, it was just kind of like. Uh, it, I don't know. It just it, it didn't it happen. It is. Yeah. yeah, it was like oh, okay, and then back to the fight. Um, well, I did like here on twelve. I'm kind of skipping through. At any point, you guys want to pull this back? And I know five hundred could be a long one to go through, but at the same time, I think um, it'll move uh, pretty quick here. Uh, the panel layout in twelve, I really like, where you get Jean Paul standing kind of up to Tim, and this is kind of one of the last interactions they're going to have here. Eventually, you know, they're parting ways here, where Jean Paul's putting on, you know, getting ready to do the final pieces of his costume, and Tim can point out that he's hurt, and they're just having uh, their their squabble back and forth. And I think this is kind of one of the last-ditch efforts where Tim is trying to uh, beat it into Jean-Paul that you're you're not... In some way, you're not Batman. You're, you're filling in for him, but even if you are Batman, you're going about this totally wrong. And I, you know, the shot where they're kind of up on the cliff, I was just thinking, you know, Tim, if you're not careful, somebody's just going to kick you right off the side of this cliff, and the Robin <laughs> problem can be solved here before Robin 1 even gets started. So I just, I liked Aparo's uh, pencil, or his uh, panel layouts in this whole uh, series where uh, even in 15, you get the, you know, new detective here where it's a, you know, a nice two-panel shot, but the scene is split up between the two panels, and I liked it, you know, also on uh, 12 as well, and uh, uh, I think we've said before how much uh, we like Aparo. Um, it was kind of cool to see um, Harold and uh, Ace in uh, 18. Um, I know Tim, or Tim, Terrence and I have always talked about liking uh, Harold. Uh, what were your thoughts on Harold? Do you like seeing him here in this uh, issue, uh, 
Tim? Yeah, always. I remember reading a few stories with Harold, and then always being like a pretty cool character that you kind of forget about, especially now that he's not in any issues and was killed off in Hush, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it was a character I would like to see come back, too, because, you know, it was one of those things where it's cool that Batman lets him, like, stick around the Batcave, help repair things, and a character would be cool if they bring in so like, other mediums, too, like an upcoming movie or animated series or movies. So it was cool just, when I was going through this again, reading it was to be reminded about Harold again. Okay. But just to go back real quick to that uh, sequence with Tim and John Paul Valley, um, kind of you know arguing about their philosophies. I did like the point where they were talking about you know lightness and dark, and how Tim makes the point where only light can cancel the darkness. Paul, and as much as I really don't like John Paul Valley and his role as Batman and the lines he says, he he did say one line that I thought was pretty funny, where he goes, <laughs> "Well, then you can grab a flashlight and go after him while I fight fire with fire." <laughs> yeah, like, I had to give a <laughs> to John Paul Valley for any like good comebacks to Tim Drake that was probably the best one <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I thought that was really kind of comical too I'd forgotten about that uh, while reading and I had a note for it and completely forgot it so I'm glad you brought it back uh, the big thing that I really wanted to talk about here before we get into the fight and the conclusion of this uh, issue other than having Commissioner Gordon and Sarah Essen kind of Gordon's really doubting if that's even the same Batman. He's changed. He's different but seeing Nightwing make an appearance in this and for a lot of people going yeah. Why? Why didn't Bruce ask Nightwing to become, you know, Batman in his stead and passed it off as, well, he's his own man? When it's actually uh, Perez and Wolfman were using him over in Teen Titans, and at that point they didn't want, they thought it would confuse readers to have Nightwing in two different places. But um, I thought at least worked here in the explanation between uh, Dick and Tim as they're going back and forth, and Nightwing gets a. Uh, a recap of what's going on and for us the reader in case like we were saying as nightfall was going on as a series more and more people were picking it up so if 500 was your first issue because it was big and it's like oh i'm gonna get batman 500 this uh serves as a nice little uh, capsule for people that wanted to know the whole entire story and actually goes back before uh nightfall a little bit to give you a little bit of the order of saint dumas so uh, what'd you guys think about seeing nightwing in here and i uh, just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on that uh, start with uh, terrence yeah, I always thought it was kind of a, a little strange um, that it wasn't Dick Grayson, and it did that that whole. I did not know about the behind the scenes and the Teen Titans and all that. So that whole like, well, he's his own man. It was always kind of odd. Like, well, wasn't John Paul Valley his own man? Like, isn't everybody their own man? <laughs> it just seemed. I, I always thought they they should have had a little bit better excuse of like oh i'd call dick but he's you know in outer space with the titans right now or or something like that i can't get hold of him he must be on titans business so but you know it's not that big a deal um but uh what'd you think tim yeah at least in this issue when nightwing appeared i just thought man about time he gets involved with this (laughs) what's going on because (laughs) yeah i totally agree with it about you know kind of being a lame excuse for why bruce didn't call him and i've always said to no one's going to be Batman other than Bruce Wayne. But if there's anybody who I can accept in the mantle, it's going to be Dick Grayson. He's the only character in the Batman world who I can accept being another Batman. Um, while Bruce is still around, of course, Batman Beyond's a different story when he's <laughs> a very old man. So, But, yeah, again, it was cool to see Dick get involved with this and even ask him, like, why didn't he ask me? And Tim asked, like, would you accept? He goes, if he needed me, yeah, that would be... A, 
it's totally something I'd buy Dick like saying like he would be reluctant to, but he'd still do it for Bruce. But then by the end of the conversation and like uh, Dick, I believe Tim just tells Dick that Bruce thinks like he is like uh, he's good enough for it, and or that's what his Dick asks him like. It, Either Jean-Paul Valley is good enough or he isn't. And then Tim says, Bruce thinks he is. And then Dick goes, and that's it. Uh, there's nothing either of us can do. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Dick's just walking way to it too easily. I would rather see him, you know, at least stay here and see how Jean-Paul Valley's going to do just to see for himself instead of taking Tim's word for it. Because I think once Tim saw what Jean-Paul, Jean-Paul Valley was doing, he, you know, tried to stop him and take that mantle of Batman away from him. So, yeah, just, it was cool to see Nightwing, but I didn't just didn't like how it ended and just the whole thing with him not Bruce now for not telling him the seriousness of his injuries and him being hurt I was like yeah it's, it's, I just don't, this is a serious thing that Bruce went to like if you want to use a car you don't want to worry him he has enough going on like no you got to tell Dick Grayson kind of like your first son that you've taken in but some, this, some, this serious happened to you you would let him know just going back to the thing with Oracle too how they kept that a secret from her just always going back reading it now just made me think, eh, that's something maybe I would have done a little differently. I would have had them be more involved in something this monumental that happens yeah. Bruce and Batman. So, like I said, kind of cool to see Nightwing finally get acknowledged in here, but still didn't like how it, it ended with him just leaving. Right, that's really seemed out of character. Uh, that, it, I thought this would have been, like, all right, I'm staying here, I'm going to help you. If it's as exactly. bad, bad off as you say it is, two are better than one, you know, that type of thing. And this has got to be, I think, at least my opinion, the worst look for Nightwing yeah. ever. I like his '70s disco huge collar more than this with, the, with the mullet and the. I, I don't know what they were doing with this costume, but he's definitely he's definitely improved. I'm glad his costume changed. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, definitely. Um, Bruce is going to be going off in Justice League Task Force here. He'll do a couple issues here, going around. So this is kind of setting up. Azrael's story, uh, the new Batman story, Tim, Catwoman, Bruce's adventures, so we're getting a nice little crossover here. Uh, the big thing that uh, we can discuss here, which probably won't take long to do, so it's a lot of punch-punch uh, and run here, is the Bane and Batman fight. So rather than exhausting a lot of time going through every single panel here, uh, Tim ends up saving the train that they're on and... Uh, gets the passengers off to safety, which Jean-Paul again shows that uh, pedestrians and citizens of Gotham are not his first priority. It's about pummeling Bane to death here. So I just kind of wanted to get your guys' overall thought of the fight of Bane and Batman again without going through so many panels unless there were specific things you wanted to go through. I think the audio drama will do a really good job of describing everything. But just your overall thoughts of the fight of Bane and Batman and then what your uh, thought of this new Batman was, um, you know, moving forward. So let's start with uh, Tim. Yeah, I love this second half of the issue with Azrael full on in his new bat suit, and I loved the costume as a kid reading it then. And I gotta say, I mean, it's kind of easy to say, oh, it's a typical '90s extreme costume, but I still like it today. I think it looks cool <laughs> reading this, going back and reading this issue. And this in the beginning, just a few panels, I just really stuck with me at how cool that suit is. Um, one where he's perched on the gargoyle and, you know, kind of waiting for the silhouette of him, but it's still a cool-looking shot of that new bat suit. Just seeing him fly over the city, I think, visually, mm-hmm. it still looks pretty cool. So I, I'm always going to be a fan of the suit, as extreme as it is for a Batman costume to be. <laughs> I'm always going <laughs> to like it. But the actual fight, I mean, I remember eating it up as a kid, like I said, being excited to see Bane finally get defeated. 
um, in this issue was a really like big moment for me you know, as a little kid, like I said before, just everything he did to Batman and Gotham City and just the lead-up. I mean, now a few months doesn't seem like a long time to wait for a story to wrap up, but as a 10-year-old kid, it's sent forever to get to this point. <laughs> so it was like everything cultivated to this one issue and the fight didn't disappoint. But reading it now as a more experienced Batman fan, still a part of it. As cool as the action is in this fight, the fact that it's not Bruce coming back to defeat Bane to wrap up the Nightfall story is, you know, something as that mm-hmm. kind of takes away from the fight a little bit. Seeing Bane first defeated by Azrael and not Bruce is a little something that, you know, is a little disappointing to see looking back on it, even though it's still a pretty cool action sequence for the fight. So definitely, as I go back and read this issue from time to time, and then again just last night, it's still very entertaining, very, very cool fight sequence to play. The sea pan out with the artwork, I thought it was just fantastic in it, so... Definitely very cool, but just you know, in the end, I just you just wish it's Batman defeating Bane for the first time, as you know, Bane's is just, you know thinking he's the best there is, the ruler of Gotham, but then to see him be brought down by someone else other than Bruce Wayne, this is a little disappointing now. <laughs> yeah, that's Terrence. Yeah, it's funny because when you were saying this, Rob, you were saying like the Bane Batman fight, and I, I'm hearing that, and it doesn't sound right because I don't think of it as Batman. I yeah. think of it as John Paul or as, as Bats, or it's weird to call him Batman. And then I was listening to Tim's response, and he wasn't calling him Batman; he was calling him Azrael, you know. And then he said like a Batman costume or design, but um, yeah. so yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't I don't think of it as like the Batman Bane fight. I think of it as the John Paul or the Asbats or the Azrael fight. And and like Tim said, uh, that's the one criticism of Nightfall as a self-contained story. You don't have that Bruce Wayne um, Bane showdown, and that's mostly because they were more concerned with the books for the next six months and year and two years, and not just telling one story. Um, the costume, I love the Asbats costume. I mm-hmm. I was a fan when I first saw it. When I read this, I actually really thought that it was like the new Robin costume. Like this was going to be the Batman costume going forward for the next you know decades. Um, and then you can laugh at me and say that that was naive, but at the time I didn't know, and I, I really thought this was the new Batman. And you know, there had been a, a lot of controversy, mostly in like the letter columns, because that's really my only interaction with other Batman fans at the time. Mm-hmm. There, there was no podcast or internet or anything, but there's a lot of controversy over Batman's symbol. Should he have the oval, the you know, the yellow oval, or should he have like what was in Legends of the Dark Knight, his original just black bat? And I always like the yellow oval. I was always for the oval. So when you found out that that center of the new Batman costume was like a giant bat signal and it was like the oval on steroids, I was I was <laughs> I was really geeking out when I read that. Um and the only thing I like this is kind of the funny thing when you read it when you're younger, you think about these things, and then you see it again. I always wondered in the fight, as much as the fight went on and everything, the sign says, you know, your message here for details, call this number. And then Bane puts in his number. I always wondered, did Bane hack into the system, or did he actually, like, call the number and set it up, like, legitimately? And, like, because it's there, you know, hello, this is Bane. I would like to, hold on, credit card? Let me get that here. You know, like, I always wondered that. My name is ba- uh, Charles. Yeah. I want to place an ad for what destruction <laughs> okay destruction <laughs> want, uh, batman in quotes but not now in quotes can you do that yes. <laughs> yeah that was funny uh i uh i was of two minds about this uh i dropped this 
uh, Batman title, like third period French. I wanted nothing to <laughs> do with this Batman, um, much like I did with um, Joker or Joker or Gordon Batman. Drop the title. I, this isn't my Batman. After it was all said and done and the smoke cleared, I went back and I bought the uh, trade of the quest of the Azrael story. And reading it many years later, I instantly became a fan of this. And I became an even bigger fan of this costume playing Batman Arkham Origins. And once that skin was unlockable through a DLC, that's how I always played Batman Arkham Origins was in the uh, Azbats costume. Now I, I, I love this costume. I think it's cool. At the time, I'd be calling myself a big fat liar and saying that I just I hated. I th- I thought this is horrible. This is a stupid idea. It's the worst idea in comics. This isn't my Batman. Even though, you know, the new Tim Drake or the new Robin was Tim Drake, and that's not Dick Grayson. I was just like so. I think it was because going, you know, Bruce didn't get to revenge is the wrong word, but Bruce didn't get to defeat Bane. It's John Paul, and this guy's not even Batman. And so I, I was not on board with it, but um, I ate ate a lot of crow later on once I finally was like, oh, I'll, I'll check it out. So it wasn't, I think, until 2012 that I actually read uh, the, the newest trade and was like, I think I missed out on some really pretty cool 90s issues just from being a jerk. And then, you know, here I am in 2016, did the same thing again with Gordon Batman. <laughs> so maybe I'd have to be so hasty next time. But uh, sometimes us comic fans, like you see on the internet now, we're quite vocal sometimes about what we like and don't like. So after a while, you just start telling yourself, you know, things change in comics. They're not going to stay the same. So why not enjoy the ride for what it is? But now I, I, I love this costume. I think it was pretty cool. And and, but I, I do agree with you, Terrence. I did think this was going to be the Batman costume for the next, you know, 50 years. I, there was no indication of going, oh, he'll be he'll be back in the old costume. I thought, well, this is a new costume. I thought, well, eventually it'll be cool once Bruce gets back in it. He can he can use this costume. So yeah, I, I was fully believing that we were going to get uh, a new uh, a Bruce Wayne in this costume. Uh, we've got three more issues to go through, and only really one issue, and it's only half of an issue. Uh, really quickly, briefly, in Detective Comics 667 is where the wall uh, gets put up in the Batcave that stops Tim from going into the Batcave. Uh, that's pretty much all of that. Uh, in uh, Batman 501 is just a conversation where Tim has to come in through the Batcave, through the Wayne Manor to get down to the Batcave, and later on that's going to get walled up. And this is basically a Jean-Paul, in not so many words, saying, you know, you couldn't stop me if you wanted to, that's it. And basically, I don't need you, and Tim's uh, got to take that at heart. So the last issue we're really going to talk about uh, today is uh, Batman 668, uh, which is uh, another Kelly Jones cover. This is now the third time we've seen this image where we have Asbats Batman uh, holding uh, Tim Robin uh, in his hands. And uh, what do you guys think of this cover? Um, I, I loved each of these different versions of this cover, and I think each one just... Per- Aggressively just got uh, better than the next, and I love uh, this look of the costume uh, compared to uh, Batman 500. It looks even more evil and twisted, and Tim looks absolutely <laughs> beat half to death in this. So, what'd you guys think of uh, the cover here in Detective uh, 668, uh, Terrence? Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome, pretty menacing. This is of, of this like style. 
though I don't know what you'd kind of consider this image because it's been done like you said three times I, this is I think the best one um, and even up in the little DC bullet uh, where the 668 is they've replaced you know the the normal Batman with the new Asbats Batman so that was kind of like another like wow this is this, this is real this is permanent <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Tim yeah I loved it too and again I've, we've seen so many covers of the Nightfall story that were designed like this with characters you know in reverse position to like the one holding the character on the ground and to see that it's robin in this one it's like oh man like some stuff's really gonna go down between azrael and, and robin in this story that you know has been building but look like it's gonna come ahead it's to ahead here where they're actually gonna fight and it definitely get a little bit of that in this issue it wasn't one of those covers where it misled you where nothing really happened between those two they came to blows in the story and I'm glad they use that you know the signature nightfall cover I guess <laughs> I'd like to call it with uh, these two characters in here so it's definitely cool that they continued it on after nightfall and into night quest yeah um and I want to point out that uh we see Chuck Dixon's name here along with Graham Nolan doing the art but Chuck Dixon uh Moving forward for this podcast, every time we talk about Tim Drake until we get into the high 100s, is going to write every single issue of not only the Robin series, but he's going to write Nightwing, and he's also writing uh, Catwoman, I believe, at the same time. So this is a nice bridge going from this right into uh, Robin number one. Uh, This is the part we're actually going to be talking about. We won't talk about what actually Asbats is doing here. Uh, Tim's back with Mrs. McIlvain, and this is where it kind of gets flushed out that Tim's father's on a, you know, a recouping trip. Uh, I don't even know if they say the Bahamas or something like that. And Tim knows that he's not really on a trip. He's been kidnapped. But the big thing is Tim is getting his driver's license. And Mrs. McIlvain points out that, you know, a driver's license, and Tim says it's a special license Dad uh, signed from uh, that allows Tim to drive because his dad's handicapped. And so, just like all teenagers are going to do, you know, you want to race out to get your car, and she quickly points out, well, you don't have a car. And I'm trying (laughs) to remember, I wanted to ask you, Terrence, did we see a scene earlier while Tim was still in training of the Redbird or of Bruce making a comment of like, well, when you get your license, I've got a car for you, because that's where Tim is headed, is to the car Bruce is going to give. Do you remember that at all? No, I'm pretty sure that the first time we ever see the red bird is in robin one at least i know i remember specifically reading robin one and seeing the red bird and just thinking that was the coolest thing ever (laughs) wishing i had one um and i still really like the red bird to this day (laughs) So, so if it was i don't remember it but i do remember my reaction to seeing it in robin one and as it being the first time seeing it yeah uh, Tim, I, I didn't even remember. It. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. I don't even remember this license part. I remember like Robin One thinking like, "Wow, he's kind of like a, a badass driving around without a license," you know. <laughs> Which I guess it wouldn't have helped. Like you can't. It doesn't matter if you have a license or not. Like he's not going to pull over for the police, and if so, they're not going to be like, "Oh, oh, you're Tim Drake. Okay, you're. You, oh, this license is good. You, you know." So I guess it's kind of silly now in retrospect, but in. Yeah. I have a uh, a model of uh, the Redbird, and it com- comes with a pretty cool magazine. The uh, Redbird actually, they do it a couple times in the comic, not too much. It basically stays the Redbird, but it turns into a coupe. It's kind of like a Transformer. So all the Redbird, you know, car parts go in, then it becomes a convertible car, and you, there are a couple issues where Tim is driving his dad around in Redbird, but it's just a red convertible that Bruce Wayne gave to Tim. 
So his dad was kind of like, oh, okay, you got this fancy car from Bruce Wayne, but it turns out it's actually Redbird. So when he parks it in the barn, it then transforms back into Redbird when he's ready to roll out. So I just I remember uh, in the first issue, Robin one, I know we're doing that next week, but like it ends with the Redbird getting run off the road by Shotgun. Is the guy's name Shotgun yeah. or something like that, or Two Gun or whatever the guy's name is? I got to reread that. I, I just grabbed it right here, and I remember reading the first issue too, and thinking the Redbird was so cool, and then thinking like, uh, oh man, it's wrecked in one issue, you know. But <laughs> but it it was just off the road. It was it does make a comeback. Yeah. Oh, what did you think about the whole license thing, Tim? Yeah, I thought it was a fun part of the issue where, you know, first like, you know, you're not even supposed to have your license yet, but, you know, as he said, it's special because of his dad's uh, circumstances, but just thinking, like he said, any teenager who gets their driver's license for the first time, they just want to, you know, use their parents' car, but what teenager in the comics world has a car selection to choose from than Tim Drake <laughs> as it goes into the Batcave, and you see all those cool Batmobiles there, and of course he has his own with the Redbird, but I wonder if there's a part of it that thought, maybe I should take the, one of the Batmobiles first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a pretty cool part of the issue to see, you know, at least for a brief moment, Tim be happy and excited about something after all the stuff he's yeah. been going through. So, but it doesn't stay, he doesn't stay happy very long once he enters the Batcave. Yeah, I, I kind of related to Tim. I mean, I think I was 18 uh, by this point, now to high school with the driver's license, but I kind of read it. And even though I was driving my parents' station wagon around, I, I kind of like when I drove it, I kind of thought, yeah, this is my red bird, you know, even though <laughs> it was green with wood paneling, but still, you know, <laughs> just, just that feel of, you know, having your own car and how cool that would have been. Uh, I like seeing Tim sneak back into the Batcave and uh, a spot that's still kind of you know jarring to look at is on page 13 where Tim is standing in front of the shattered remains of uh, Jason Todd's trophy costume and says that you know uh, he hasn't even cleaned up from the fight with Bane that uh, there's still the broken pieces of the case and then anything that was probably damaged you know it's not um, Jean-Paul's history it's Bruce's history Does none of this means anything to him and you can tell uh, that kind of bothers Tim. I don't know if, uh, what you guys uh, just thought about seeing the, you know, Robin standing there in front of the remains of the costume of, and and what a different Batman this uh, fully is, uh, Terrence. Yeah, that, I mean, in the um, the Bruce Wayne Bane fight, that's one of the most you know like heart wrenching moments is when you know Bruce is like shattered through that case and he's holding like the old costume and he's you know i think he even says jason, jason doesn't yeah, he yeah yep. so um the um the what you call it so yeah it's, it's pretty like crazy to see that like shattered case and that case goes all the way back um to uh frank miller and the dark knight returns yeah and, and that case was in there and i think that was even before you know, they did Death in the Family, so yeah. that that case is pretty cool, and it was even in you know Batman v Superman and and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty 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 awesome to see. Yeah, Tim. Yeah, just going back to the very last page of Batman 500, where something that took me back back then, and I still don't get why Tim said it, where he says just because Bane or Bat as Bat spared Bane and didn't kill him. Tim says, oh, you have earned the right. You earned the costume. You are old. I guess you are the Batman. And Azrael just flies off saying, thanks, kid. I just thought, uh, he really hasn't earned it just because he spared one life and doesn't make up for all the brutal stuff he did in the past. So, never get, got why Tim said that. And I think he's probably maybe regrets saying that once he enters the Batcave here and sees, you know, as you guys are saying, as he, and as he monologues in his head, like, he, like, 
has no memory. None of these memories are his. He has no respect for Batman's history and all that. And he even makes up a, like a shooting gallery of Batman's uh, rogues on there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, this isn't good. So I uh, always felt like they didn't just put that final line of dialogue for Tim in Nightfall Part 19, Batman 500. Just, you know, kind of put an end cap on the whole Nightfall story, kind of leave it on a positive note. But then nothing really changes from that. Asriel still doesn't want Robin around. Robin still doesn't think that John Paul Valley is worthy of the Batman costume or title. So this is something I always found a little curious about the way Nightfall ended with that line of dialogue, but yet nothing really changed. It only gets worse from here on out between Azrael and Robin's relationship. And I, I thought, too, it's for probably all those people that Batman 500 was the only Batman book they have so they can say they have it. And for mm-hmm. them, it ended it on, oh, well, Robin finally approves. Okay, cool. Back to my image book I was reading at the time or whatever it is. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I thought. It just gave a nice little period at the end just for people. Like, well, it, it told a story. It had a conclusion. Robin's on board. Even though, like you said, Tim, he, he's definitely not. Uh, the shot on 17, I think, is really cool of Asbat's. Uh, there, standing uh, behind the red, um, and it was just really jarring to see a Batman, even if it's Asbats, firing the shurikens at Robin. Even you can say his former partner, even though they were never actually really partners. And uh, Tim being fast enough to uh, kind of beat on Azrael a little bit, since he's kind of trained him, uh, could kind of you know at least guess uh, where what he's thinking and it's kind of cool that he says you know robin's earned his place by batman's side i've earned my place as robin ask king snake ask the joker i beat them all on my own I thought that was cool to kind of yeah. you know reemphasize that that if i can beat two big bad people i should have no problem taking you down and uh you know tim's gonna make a move to try and get uh to the red bird we get one little glimpse of the red bird uh just the hood of the car on uh, 17 and uh, 18, I think a little bit on the previous page. Yeah, on 16 as well. And then it kind of ends with uh, Asbats going to the ceiling, coming down on top of Tim, and then picking him up. This was, I think, Terrence, you said this is the uh, the biggest uh, shocker for like a cliffhanger and then an opening of a book uh, that uh, Robin 1 will do. It says, they will fear me as they never feared him. Uh, continued in Robin number 1. Will there be Robin number 2? <laughs> I, I thought, love how it had that. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And I was like, uh, don't make me only buy two issues of Robin. Here's the Robin <laughs> series you've been waiting for forever. And it starts in Robin 1 and the funeral's in Robin 2. <laughs> so... Uh, it's nice to be able to say with that, the next episode, we are finally at Robin number one. So I knew that was a lot to go through. I really want to thank both of, the, both of my co-hosts for making it with me this long, uh, getting through those. And I was kind of really relying on the radio drama to fill in a lot of the blanks. But uh, just a final thoughts of officially wrapping up the Nightfall saga. It'll continue on in Night's Quest and Night's End, obviously. Uh, but as far as the podcast is concerned from here moving forward, we will be in the Robin series until Robin dips back in to Night's Quest and uh, Night's End. So uh, final thoughts here. So we can uh, – a little peek behind the curtain. It's actually Sunday. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, so I know both my co-hosts are going to probably do some Memorial Day things. But final thoughts for uh, these issues we looked at today and the conclusion of uh, the first half of Nightfall. Let's start with uh, – 
Terrence. This was such an awesome time to read comics and go to the comic store every week and get see what was coming new. Um, and it wasn't just the Batman. It was there was the whole death of the Superman. There was a lot of stuff going on with Marvel. Image Comics was coming out. You know, comics. You know, you were seeing books. You know, jumping in value. The 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 art, the storytelling, everything was was really. Um, Again, just getting better and better and by leaps and bounds. So um, I, I kind of really enjoy the stories for what they are, but I also enjoy reminiscing. And whether you were, you know, in, in yeah, twenty early 20s like Rob and I were or, you know, like, you know, 9, 10 like Tim, I think it, it still like takes you back to that time and place, it's, which is pretty awesome. Um, and I, I just wish – and it would have to be a two-parter, I think. But, you know, DC Animation, they've come out with some yes. really great movies recently. Yeah. I watched the um, Justice League vs. Teen Titans yesterday and, and really enjoyed that. Um, if you're a Starfire fan, you'd really enjoy it. But this would make such a great two-part animated story. You know, I just uh, – I, I, and I wish, you know – after the killing joke, I maybe that this will be it, and I'd like to see maybe a little more mature version. Maybe you know the the PG thirteen. I don't think this would be an R rating, but no. definitely the PG thirteen version of it, not holding back anything, um, would definitely this deserves its own animated movie. I definitely think so. Uh, Tim, your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree with you, Terrence. I mean, even back during the animated series days, like after I read Nightfall, like oh, this has to be like an episode of Batman the Animated Series at one point. They did bring Bane into it, which was cool, but they didn't do Nightfall. And Yeah, if they do an animated movie about Nightfall, uh, I'd be... My excitement would be through the roof for it. (laughs) Like you said, a two-part movie like they did The Dark Knight Returns would be so, so awesome. And I'm just thinking it kind of makes sense. They did, you know, pretty much all the classic Batman stories from the 80s with Year One, Dark Knight Returns, and now Killing Joke. The next, if they're going to continue to do classic stories, I think the next logical step might be Nightfall. So hopefully that would come to fruition a few years down the line. But yeah, again, this Nightfall is always going to be one of my favorite stories. Just as I said before, the first story arc that I that got me into comics and I started uh, really collecting comics on a regular basis was thanks to Nightfall, and it still holds up for the most part, in my opinion, as I go back and cover some of the issues as the last few episodes I did with you guys. It was really cool to go back and read these stories again and remind me how fun it was to read them at the time. Like you said, Taryn, just good reminiscing about the time period of comics back in the early 90s when this story was coming out. But then just, you know, enjoying it as an older Batman fan now. Uh, Liking things more and maybe not agreeing with certain things that the story played out that maybe I liked more as a kid. So just kind of go back, do a refresher on it and form different opinions on it now was pretty cool so yeah it's been great it was a great journey back in 93 and it's been great uh, covering it now with you guys so thanks again for letting me be a part of the nightfall portion of tim drake's story here it's been a blast yeah yeah thanks for coming on i'm sorry can i just say one thing about uh, what tim just said on there as much as i i geeked out in the movie theater when i saw the dark knight rises and bane lifted batman up and, and broke him on his knee because i kept thinking are they going to do it are they going to do it and then i'm like oh my god they're doing it they're doing it they're doing it <laughs> like I, I really was like i almost jumped out of my seat yeah I, I i had the same reaction when i was watching batman the animated series for the first time and saw you know bane lift batman above his his head in, in that one episode at which tim will t- <laughs> tell us I, I forget it but i know tim knows it and then but then batman like 
turns it on him and cuts the uh, venom cord, and I was like, why didn't he do that in Nightfall? You know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I, I remember being at home and watching it and just totally geeking out. So I, I love those references to it. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I was really kind of hoping when uh, The Dark Knight Rises was out that there would have been, you know, a Nightfall adapted movie. I think the very first DC animated movie was The Death of Superman, even though that wasn't done. Yeah. You know, it was truncated and compressed really small. They didn't do the whole, you know, Rise of the Superman and all that type of stuff. I was really thinking, okay, the next one they'll do will be Nightfall. Those are the two big stories. So I'm really kind of surprised it hasn't gotten a full animated treatment like the ones you just pointed out, the little references here and there. We've got little nuggets of that. I was the same way seeing in The Dark Knight Rises Batman get lifted over Bane's head. It actually took my breath away of like, oh, I know what's coming, you know. Not knowing if they were going to do that actual pose, but as soon as he went up over his head, I, I actually kind of turned away because it's like, is it going to be as bad as as I think it is? And I caught out of the corner of my eye, seeing him and hearing the back break. I was just like, oh man, you know, it was one thing to read it in comics, but to see it live, or so to speak, you know, on on screen and actually moving, I was like, oh man, that's horrible. But was so cool <laughs> at the same time yeah. as a Batman fan. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and you know, I bet if you like did a survey of people who've only read one Batman story or have only read like maybe just a couple of Batman stories, weren't really comic collectors and stuff. I'm willing to bet Nightfall is probably one of the the most read, you know, stories of people who are who weren't huge collectors and and reading all the time but picked it up every now and again. So, you know, I think a lot of people You'd be surprised how many people have actually read this or parts of this or picked up some of it um, who, who you know, would probably be if they saw that DVD in, the, in Walmart or something, be like, I remember this. Let's let's watch this. Yeah, I, I would I would fully agree with that. Just a, it was a, a great moment, uh, a great time, rather, to be reading comics and you know my favorite characters are, were branching off in different directions and uh, I just it. Tapping into rebirth, I kind of feel that excitement again coming. That you know we're we're upon a new era of comics. I think people will look back and hopefully be fondly very uh, happy with. So, uh, like we said, this is uh, the official end of our our Nightfall saga. Uh, we'll be going forward in with the Robin series that went 183 issues. Terrence always makes fun of me for yes. saying that. <laughs> so before we sign off, I wanted to say. Uh, two quick things and one was uh and i know some of the other podcasts mentioned on it and i think tim talked about it on bat fans but the passing of darwin cook who uh amazing batman artist and he'll be missed but i speaking of the dc animated movies the the animated movie for new frontier is one of my absolute favorites i saw the movie before i read the comic so i wasn't like oh well that's not in the comic i i have trouble sometimes with the dc movies based on comics because i'm always like analyzing and like that's not in the book and they changed it and whenever they talk like scott snyder and justice league and all that i always think like the the perfect justice league movie's been made it's new frontier the animated one i i love that movie so much same thing with the batman superman movie i as much as you know, people can say whatever they want about Batman v Superman. To me, the perfect Batman Superman movie is the animated movie, where you know, um, which I think it was shown over three nights, maybe or, or three episodes. But yeah. you know, the the that that one, I just love that one. That is that to me is the greatest Batman Superman uh, team up introduction ever, hands down. Yeah, it has 100% a hundred percent agree. <laughs> yeah, it has a great line in there that. 
you know, the first time we see Batman, he doesn't have, you know, Robin with him. And when Robin meets, you know, Superman for the first time, I think the line something about it, I didn't think you were working with kids. He said, I wanted to scare the criminals, not uh, not children. Or I, I forget exactly what the line is, but I thought that was so cool that, that Batman has grown um, as a person. And um, I was the same way. I uh, saw uh, Frontier before I read the comic and just loved it. That's probably one of the DVDs, animated DC movies that I watch on a regular basis. Uh, it, his art was just beautifully transferred, uh, and it was perfect for um, an animated movie. It just it looked so beautiful, and then read the actual issue um, a couple years back, and I, I love it. It was a very sad passing, and it, it seemed like it happened very quick uh, from the time that we had heard he had cancer, and it seemed like, to me, at least on Facebook, it sounds like they announced that he had cancer, and a day later he passed away. So it was, yeah. it was very sad. I think it's kind of fitting we're ending the show um, on Memorial Day, and it's we've had a lot of losses in the the Batman, you know, universe, as it were, of you know actors or artists or creators uh, that have gone in passing. And Darwin Cook is, you know, is nothing to uh, sneeze. That's the wrong word. Is his uh, contributions are. are will be felt, you know, for a long time. Yeah, any little quick thoughts you have on uh, Darwin Cook there, Tim? Yeah, I'm just going to echo what you guys said, but I'll just say, if you're looking, as great as New Frontier is, if you're looking for a great Batman story by Darwin Cook, check out Batman Ego. It's a great look into the psychology Mm -hmm. of the duality between Bruce Wayne and Batman. So the artwork's fantastic, the story's fantastic, what makes Bruce question himself as Batman is pretty powerful, so definitely check out. The, The trade is called Batman Ego, and the story is called Batman Ego, but if you get the trade, there's also other great Darwin Cook stories in there that feature Catwoman. So if just look up the trade Batman Ego, it'd be well worth the purchase just for that main story alone and then just the other you know, short stories we get there too and with Catwoman. So Darwin Cook definitely left a big impression on me as a Batman fan and his contributions to it with the stories and his fantastic artwork that you know just brings a smile to your face every time you see it because it just gives you back to that old like time period that just makes you feel good so yeah he'll definitely be missed yeah definitely well tim thank you very much for doing this um i've said before this was uh, something we've talked about when terrence and i were on the bat fans that you know nightfall was this book for a lot of us that got us really into reading comics or was a, a fond time that we had so getting a chance to go through uh, even a small portion of Nightfall with you has been something I've been looking forward to very long, so thank you for doing it. And hopefully it goes without yeah. saying, uh, you are welcome back any time on the show and uh, uh, to chat some Robin and Batman. Maybe we'll find a cool Batman and Robin story to uh, chat with you. But uh, thank you, my friend, for, for doing this uh, these last three uh, episodes with us. It's been no it's problem, a real pleasure. Man. Thanks for letting me come on and talk Nightfall. Like you said, we talked about it before, how much we love the story. So to get the chance to talk about it with you guys has been real fun. And if I could just plant the seeds, I don't know if you guys have talked about this at all, but if you ever want to continue the Tim Drake stories and you want to move on to the TV front and talk the Batman the Animated Series Tim Drake stuff, I'll be happy to join you guys on that too because that's some awesome stories of him in there as well. That was it's a, funny because as you were talking, I was just thinking once Tim starts on the animated series, we got to get you know our Tim back on and talk about that too. Yeah, 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 definitely. And uh, you know, uh, Terrence has had an idea before, maybe even doing a, a commentary, you know, track or something like that. Find a classic animated series, you know, uh, episode uh, to go through, and uh, you maybe do a commentary track or something like that would be uh, pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So cool. Well. 
Uh, that's going to be the end of this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, next episode, episode 40, I can officially say it, Robin number one. And hopefully we get a Robin two and three. <laughs> and uh, we Well, we don't know. If it's the end of, uh, what was that, 668, said so there may not be a Robin two. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I, have to, I have to look in my collection. I'm not really sure. Did it, was there ever a two or was that the end? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a ruse. 183 issues my ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we will also be doing our rebirth coverage uh, there as well. So uh, Tim Drake will be in the pages of Detective Comics to start out with. And Terrence and I said on the last issue, hearing everything that James Tinian had written about Tim Drake and what he means to him uh, is going to have us uh, uh, doing cartwheels for, for hopefully quite a while. So on the behalf of Terrence and our guest Tim from the Bat Fans podcast, really quick uh, before we sign off, uh, Tim, where can the good folks out there find you? Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at TimG311. And then if you want to follow the BatFans Podcast Twitter account, it's just at BatFans Podcast. So that's where I do most of my interactions about uh, Batman and a lot of cool stuff, like you guys mentioned with Rebirth. So I've been chatting about that a lot this past week. So definitely cool stuff to add with that. All right, cool. We will see you guys next time on Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. And make sure to stop over at the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, the Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.